0: now in our daily Brian Reynolds coverage to bring you something as Monty Python used to say completely different. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates, a little bit of a different Daily Shot of Pirates. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. David Bednar is going to be the closer for this team. No shock there, no surprise. I'm not trying to break any kind of news here. He made it to the All-Star Game out in L.A. on merit. He did not have the greatest second half. Never. Got all the way back from a back injury that just wouldn't leave him alone right through to the end of the season. Was able to finish out on the mound, which was a a positive. But (laughs) taking it a whole lot further than that, it wasn't great. However, he's the guy you don't watch somebody do what he did for you for 3 months and say hey let's have an open closer competition. That doesn't mean of course that Derek Shelton will name him closer. Uh, he doesn't seem to be wild about that concept as a whole. And I'm not sure he would have named Trevor Hoffman in his prime his closer based on his stance on that sort of thing, but he's at the back of the bullpen. And there are options back there. There are other guys who could be in that mix, which might be another reason that Shelton would back off such a uh, declaration. Because as he used to put it, whenever Bednar and Chris Stratton were kind of co-closing, a lot of the decisions that were being made were game-based decisions or even lineup-based decisions, meaning the opponent's lineup where they were in the order and whose stuff might play better against them, whether it was Bednar or Stratton, obviously both of whom being right-handers. But in this case, you've got guys who can help out on the back end and who might even be able to be that uh, ninth inning or that save level alternative. Harlan Garcia is the guy that probably jumps up. He might be the least discussed Significant signing that Ben Charrington's had this offseason, put up some really good peripheral numbers as a reliever, both with the Marlins and then with the Giants. And, you know, coming from that side of the hill, you can get better as you get older. And in Garcia's case, we're talking about someone who's 30 years old. So he's got at least 15 years left in the bigs, right? Colin Holderman's another. He came uh, late last season and showed some good things, sh- some inconsistencies as well. But he's got that kind of material as well. But the one guy I don't want anyone to forget about is Yeri Los Santos. Uh, I've seen some uh, projections for the Pirates bullpen, you know, general stuff for 2023 that leaves him out completely. And that might be because he's got options uh, or because these other guys have more experience and and everything else. But uh, I'm sorry, there was a lot to like about this kid. When he was out there, he kind of settled things down. Now, that was mostly eighth inning, but this was someone who also graduated from the seventh to the eighth innings in a big hurry for being a baby faced rookie. And more than that, upon his arrival, the Pirates recognized instantly, and this is to their credit, this is being aware of the clubhouse that you've got, that the other Latin American players gravitated toward him. He's, he's got a, um, how do I put this here? He's got a little bit of Francisco Liriano to him in terms of his personality. Frankie was not the loudest guy in the room by any stretch of the imagination. But Frankie knew what to say, when to say it, and how to relate it. Delos Santos's English isn't a whole lot better than most others. Then, you know what, Frankie's really wasn't either. But they still knew how to communicate, how to make sure that the right guys were getting respected the right way, how to explain certain things. And it got to the extent that management saw fit to take Delos Santos on road trips even after he'd been put on the 60-day DL See, I still keep calling it the DL. It's the IL now. 60-day IL and was done for the season. And they still took him around just so that those other players would have someone with whom to communicate and relate, particularly since Jose Quintana was no longer around having been traded at the deadline. But ultimately, look, this is going to come down to Bednar. There are some schools of thought. I'll put it that way. That Bednar might have been overused this past season. There are similar schools of thought that the same applied to Will Crow. who You'll notice I have left out of this mix because I didn't like anything, anything, about either his performance or his demeanor once he was pushed toward the back end. So whatever it is that Crow figures out between now and the next actual game, It needs to be something in the fifth, sixth, and no further than that innings. But there's a school of thought that they were both kind of overused a little bit by Shelton, not excessively so, but a little bit, and that it might have contributed to, in Crow's case, wearing down, although he denies that, and in Bednar's case, getting hurt a couple of times in a couple different ways. Maybe, maybe not. There's really no way to know that for certain. Really, there just isn't. But what we do know is that Charrington's built up a bullpen that has, in addition to a lot of back-end type potential, which is my primary focus here today, different types of stuff from different angles from both sides of the hill. And that hasn't really been the case over the last couple of years. If you think back to some of the bullpen compositions that Shelton's had to deal with. And I somehow got through an entire segment on the bullpen without mentioning Dwayne Underwood and how Dwayne Underwood was protected through everything and somehow will still be coming back next season. I guess the rubber arm, man. That'll get you everything in baseball. The rubber arm. When we come back, J1Q. And it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Today's j one Cube comes from Oren who says, D.K., I think it's quite telling when well, an administration changes his philosophy three years in, what are they spending this year on veterans? Like thirty million? They could have done this the last two years and still not blocked any kids. They didn't save any money with the intention of using it when they quote get better." End quote. Did this change come from the general manager? Did it come from above? Is the GM running scared or what? Well, Orin, I've got all kinds of little theories as to what's happened over this past month or so. But I'm going to start with this, and I'm apologizing in advance to anyone who's tired of hearing this, but the punt isn't off yet. The perception of the punt has certainly been diminished, and successfully so, I might add, by the Pirates, in large part because of Andrew McCutcheon, But if Kutch were just some other 35, 36-year-old outfielder with the exact same 2022 credentials coming to Pittsburgh, wouldn't wouldn't have made even a dent in anything. And I'm saying that with immense, overwhelming respect for Kutch. I'm just talking about the baseball player and when he'd be coming here. No one would even know. You know, he'd be just another guy who'd be seen as outfield depth, you know, but Kutch being who he is and perceptions being what they are, this is what we now have. Everyone's just presuming that the big punt is over. It's not. It's not. The punt is over when they start actually competing and making decisions that have everything to do with winning the game that's right in front of them. That can involve, let's say, for example, Andy Rodriguez just lights Bradenton on fire, just murders the ball, just slams the cover off of it. The decision that you make, if you're not punting, is that Andy makes the roster. And from there, Austin Hedges is his backup. That's the decision that you make. And actually, You make it really without hesitating. Maybe you send him down for a week, meaning endy, or you find some other point in the season when you can do that so that you don't allow him to become a free agent in six years. But for the Super 2 stuff, for the arbitration stuff, uh uh-uh, sorry, you've saved enough money. And you bring up the point yourself regarding the money. You say, well, why couldn't they have done this the last couple of years? What comes back to you meaning from the team, is that, well, they needed to keep the payrolls low so that the payrolls can be a lot higher in future years once they're ready to compete. Okay, that sounds really good, but guess what? That's not happening, as you correctly stated in your entry. It's just not. This payroll, this one we're talking about right now, won't get to $100 Okay, so let's keep a perspective here. When the Pirates made the playoffs, 2013 to 15, and for one additional year, 2016, the payroll crossed into $100 million, where it had never been before for this franchise. That was almost a decade ago. And since then, Major League Baseball's overall revenues have ballooned. They've multiplied many times over, and the Pirates are one of 30 beneficiaries of that. In fact, they're one of the bigger beneficiaries of that because they get a much bigger revenue sharing check than most other teams. Have you seen a $100 million payroll? Nope. What you've seen is some guys were lost, some guys were replaced. And one of the guys who came in to do the replacing, awesomely enough, was Kutch. And that changed the perception. I don't even remember what you asked now. Let me. Let me look back at your original question here. Oh, you asked if the GM is running scared. No, of course not. Uh, That's just not the nutting way. And I don't know that Charrington would or should have any reason to be scared of anything. I have a thought on this as to what happened a month ago, I'm not prepared to share this with you. I, I hate doing that kind of stuff because, I come on, man, tell us. You just you already said this much. I'm not there in terms of verifying it yet, but I think I know what happened, and I do think it came from above. I appreciate the question. I am sorry for that really plain little tease there at the end. Let's do this again tomorrow, presuming you don't now hate me. Thank mm-hmm.